Hey, what's going on, guys? Be starting in a minute from now. Just give uh, some of you guys a chance to settle in. Just finished a stream, so this will be a follow-up to the stream. All right, cool. Uh, just give me a thumbs up if you can hear me clearly. I am sitting outside again for this one. So you got a couch outside, trying to get some fresh air, enjoy myself. Um, so yeah, thumbs up for the sound. I think I just saw one, but give me another thumbs up. I don't know if I was seeing things. Cool. All right. Good stuff. All right, guys. Uh, well, thank you for joining. Um, this is another one of our Tuesday post-stream call-ins, so shout out to Colin. They're now on Apple and Spotify. Uh, so that's really useful because in the beginning, they were only on... They're only on the iPhone, and now they're on Android, they're on Apple Podcasts, they're on Spotify Podcasts. So you could search the uh, Kenner and Clark Trading Lounge on either of those platforms or any of those platforms and tune in from there. Um, again, just real quick, none of this is financial advice. The Tuesday and Thursday call-in, it's a half an hour long, and it's a follow-up to the stream. So if you watch my Tuesday and Thursday streams at 1 p.m., uh, it's a good time to come on and ask questions. It's difficult to keep up with the chat sometimes on the stream. Um, so it's a, it's a good opportunity to follow up with maybe something that you want clarity on. Or again, the call-ins don't have to stick to any topic. Uh, we know that obviously most people are here to talk about crypto and markets, but um, there are times when neither of those uh, as a whole are interesting or worth talking about. I just ask that we don't get into politics or religion and, um, so far, with the last six months of Collins, we haven't had any issues with that. So, um, thank you for you who have uh, followed along now since the beginning. All right, so Tuesdays and Thursdays follow up to the stream. So during the stream, I just reiterated some points on the macro again that I think are worth recovering. Um, it's probably something that you guys have heard now ad nauseum, but I think it it bears repeating because you have people that are still sort of indiscriminately dip buying and, you know, positioning for the all-time high and are kind of blind to what is the reality and, and is the norm now in markets. And during the stream, uh, towards the end of the stream, Powell was, was speaking. And I wasn't able to tune in because of the timing of the stream, but it's clear that now after reading some of the material that, uh, rather than some of the transcript, that their goal is to to tighten conditions to, to fight inflation, and there's not there's really no pulling back. Um, he reiterated and has been kind of re-exercising a very hawkish tone, and as a result, you can see that the ES and BTC uh, immediately responded. And I think that they immediately responded when he said something along the lines of, you know, their willingness to go past neutral and and not hesitate at all. So. This shouldn't be really unexpected. I mean, we're listening to Powell and, and we have FOMCs and we have you know, CPI that gives us maybe a, a little bit of evidence that might inform some kind of a decision about how they are going to be and you know, what their tone is going to be, you know, whether or not it, if the CPI comes in hot, we know that things aren't going to be good and that they're going to be continuing to sort of beat the drum uh, with respect to tightening conditions and, and the economy being strong. But this was a meeting where there wasn't necessarily, I guess, a lot expected from it. it a, I think it's a Wall Street Journal interview or q and not. I didn't watch it. I'm just following up now with posts after. And again, it was during the stream. But uh, clearly, even for something that shouldn't really result in any kind of material impact on the market or any kind of new information exposed, uh, the market is very sensitive to any kind of hawkish tone. So I think most people are positioned looking for maybe the pivot, looking for um, or listening for maybe a brief change in his tone when the reality is they haven't changed at all. The only time when maybe there was a possibility of a change in tone or language or even their policy where it was extreme was the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And that didn't result in any change. Um, the GDP being negative 1.4% print didn't result in any change. So it's very hopeful to assume that 
kind of out of the blue that that he will change or or it's I, I know where the hope is coming from. It's coming from a place of okay, markets are continuing to move down. The time between you know Powell addressing the public, markets have been in a downtrend. So at some point, like you know, people are hurting, right? I mean, he has to give us some kind of relief, and that's just not the case. Uh, they've said explicitly multiple times that asset prices have more room to come down, um, and that they just want to tighten. And if anything. The times where we saw a positive response from Powell post any kind of slight, I don't even want to say dovish tone, that, that was something that he definitely didn't want, right? It's not the Fed's goal to see asset prices bounce um, after any kind of address. If anything, they want the exact opposite. Uh, so the S&P is down 20%. You know, the last time that the Fed pivoted, 2018, SP was down 21% before it pivot. Uh, markets that doesn't take place in the equities market. At least it's not going to be at these levels. And I guess one of the best ways to communicate why it doesn't mean much is that I think that the majority, like, the amount of money in 401ks, I feel like they think that with the amount of money that people have in their savings and the small amount that is exposed to the equity market in 401ks by a majority of the population, I, I don't think that they think it's that significant. I think it might be like 50K or you know, just kind of like rough estimate. Um, so if, if people have on average of like a 50K portfolio in their 401k and the market drops another 10%, I don't think that they think that that's a material impact on people. So I, I just reiterating the, the point that it's not going to be a Fed put based on equities anymore. Um, so we have levels in equities that we look to or we expect like a, you know, some kind of response. And more recently, it was 38 to 39. Uh, and that was because that was last year's point of control, you know, significant level in terms of activity. But it, it's really silly right now to just have a line in the sand and say, oh, this is where things have to improve. We have areas where we expect bounces and, and, you know, because of a, you know, a strong correlation by proxy, we'd expect to bounce in BTC, but the regime is the regime right now. And it's not changing until we get some really explicit changes in their language or their policy. Uh, and until that happens, just expect more chop. And if this is a bottom, it's going to take a long time. And we get lucky if it just continues to move sideways in the face of all of this sort of hawkish tone. Uh, and at least maybe one, at least, we're at least due, I think, for at least you want, you know, we know we're getting at least one more hike, right? But I would say two, just expect hike after hike, right? I, early in the year, everyone was like, oh, you know, by the middle of the year, they'll be done. They won't be hiking anymore. Just getting one hike. Everybody was wrong. Okay. Um, so let me open it up because, again, just to re repeat in the beginning for anyone who kind of came in late, Fridays are the call ins that are going to be longer, that are like an hour and a half, two hours long. We kind of really deeply get into things. The Tuesday call-ins are, are follow-ups to the stream. So for those of you that watch the stream and have questions, feel free to call in right now. Uh, and I'll open up the floor to anyone who wants to chat. And, and don't be shy. Listen, I know it's weird to talk to people for the first time on the internet that are, <laughs> that are just people you follow. And I get it. It's weird for me to do streams too at first. But, you know, you get comfortable. So feel free to chime in. Um, Got a bunch of people in here. I'll give it a second because usually it takes a little bit. There's usually a little bit of a lag. I see some familiar faces. Where's Bitcoin right now? 29,653. So equities briefly responded. No major follow through. I mentioned during the stream, this would probably be a good opportunity to set up for a long if we got more of an extension. Um, just because this kind of commentary doesn't necessarily mean much. It just clearly it's uh, it's impacting a very sensitive market. All right, guys, the floor is open. Who's going to hop on? Otherwise, these things get cut short if no one hops on because I can't just talk into the void. I do that enough on Twitter. And although during the stream I said I didn't want to uh, touch on Terra or Doquan or any of that, feel free to um, 
to chime in about that. Like I said, nothing is off. Uh, nothing is off topic. What do we have? Like the shyest call-in that we've ever done. If this was a class, I would be picking on one of you guys to talk. Oh, there we go. Dodonna, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up? I'll hop on here. Hey, what's going on, man? Nice to talk to you. You too, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I guess I definitely wasn't uh, expecting Powell to be as hawkish as he was, but I don't know. That could have something to do with, like, I could be wrong. Wasn't he just recently, I guess, reinstated or something, or, or if they voted him in to, to be the chairman longer? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. Um, I was thinking maybe that might have something to do with it where he's now kind of secured his position and he's like, all right, well now I'm going to really be more upfront with how I feel um, in the face of the markets and just sort of just kind of start telling it more like it is instead of just, instead of holding back, you know, he wants to make sure he's in his position for as long as he can be. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that it's possible. I think he was kind of cemented in no matter what, um, even though that was last week. Uh, I think his position was pretty secure. I think if anything, it's, it is kind of just what the white house has been reiterating as been as their number one priority. Um, so he's basically just addressing what the administration considers the number one thing to address. And it's not a recession. And the rumor is that, you know, or, or the, the thing that I heard from a lot of macro guys, a lot of friends that are macro traders is that honestly they wanted to hike or want to hike into a mild recession. So the idea that it would be like, okay, are we choosing between a recession or inflation? Um, it's not really even a balanced choice at all. Really, the reality to them is only one case, and it's just that they're, they want to hike, and a recession is a fair sort of product of hiking that they're willing to, uh, they're willing to accept. Now, I mean, at some point, it's going to be what moves the needle for voters coming into midterms, but um, I think that you know, for a lot of people, uh, a, a recession might be a little bit more palatable, or they might not experience sort of the negative aspects of a recession as they will with, you know, very high inflation. Um, so, as until inflation is tackled, I don't, uh, I, I don't see him really pivoting. I think he'll continue to. You know, everyone's waiting for a surprise, for waiting for him to maybe give us one meeting where he's like dovish. But that, I think that's kind of just like a very we're waiting for that because you want relief in a downtrend. Right. Like you assume it's at every turn or at every stall that you're going to get relief. And we're kind of just hoping that he's at our backs because the most the norm for the last 20 years has been or the last at least 15, you know, 15 years, whatever the math is now. Um, has been the Fed always having our back. So it's kind of, it's really, uh, it's it's not something that we're used to at all. So I think we're just kind of coming to terms with that every time that he talks and doesn't give us like a morsel of hope. I mean, it's, it, it, it will come to a point where, yeah, I mean, I think if equities did drop like off the top from high to low, and right now from high, from like peak to trough, it's 20%. I don't. I think maybe we'd start getting more of a pushback if we were at that like thirty, forty percent level. But I don't know. They they are one way, and they've been that way consistently, and it's just been hawkish. And unless uh, CPI begins to drastically change, um, unless something breaks, credit markets, and we've already talked to a bunch of people about that, and it's it's not like uh, there's any major issues yet. Uh, I don't think that we see any kind of material change from what has been, you know, consistent now with just fighting inflation, raising rates, full steam ahead, you know, no, you know, foot on the gas pedal sort of situation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, inflation definitely seems to be the issue. And uh, he's just he's just become a lot more clear with what he's saying. Like, that's not a stopping point. We'll probably reach that in Q4 you know, they're going to raise rates expeditiously. It's like, you know, before he said inflation was transitory, he kind of went back on that. Now, you know, he's saying he's not going to, he doesn't think a recession is on the table, but now it's like starting to be more, become more clear through the talking point that it absolutely did. And 
So it's like, I don't know, it's like this playing where it's, but it's definitely becoming less convoluted in my opinion. I agree with you. It's, it's, I think the agenda is becoming a little bit more clear. Um, yeah. And if anything, every all retail and, and all people within markets were just fooling themselves. He's getting clearer. And uh, a lot of people are not kind of catching on yet that it is the way it is right now. And it'll be that way for a while. I mean, if you look at like Fed Fund Futures, um, they have us possibly looking at some relief in like the middle of next summer. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like a lot can happen between now and then, but it, it, if anything, it's this all just seems like a really good idea for everyone to enjoy their summer and to not focus too much on the market. Because absent this, it would have been that way anyway. Labor Day and after would be uh, sort of a better time to come back around. But now with sort of this in the forefront, there's no again, there's no tailwinds whatsoever. There are only headwinds. Um, unless you're like a, a short-term trader it uh, or unless you're dollar cost averaging. I, so I do think that in a couple of years from now, it'll be a case where, oh, oh God, this was absolutely the time to start building longer-term positions and getting longer-term exposure. It was a valuable opportunity. Um, but at least in the short term, like most people are not cut out for dealing with this kind of environment because equities are thin. Crypto is by proxy much thinner. So... Yeah, but thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the call-ins, the live streams, all that stuff. It's it's real good, and uh, appreciate you, man. Have a good one. Thanks, man. Good talking to you. Yeah, I mean, so guys, like I was saying, and I said this like two weeks ago, um, things are probably going to be. There's no reason why any of this is really change over the summer. Uh, these things take one, just like the economy moves slow anyway, and as far as that data registering. You know, the markets lead the economy, the economy lags. So we're definitely not looking at anything change in the short term. So at least, I mean, I, I, would, I plead with most people that if, and I know there's a lot of people that, that follow me because they want to trade, that if you don't have something right now, like if you don't have any kind of actionable system, um, if you're not seeing anything as a result of your hard work in the market right now, that it's it's just more of a reason to take the summer off and not stress about the market. Um, a pivot, uh, a change, it's going to be explicit. It's going to be obvious. It's going to give you time to get involved because there's going to be a lot of people that are still continuously fading it. So the entire way up when the Fed is supportive, there are people the entire way up that don't realize that they have at their back the largest participant in markets. Um, they have sort of the best bodyguard you could have in any situation. And they are contrarian during the entire bull market. Uh, and it really is a pretty easy trade at at certain levels when the market draws down to a certain degree because you know they'll pull back, they'll ease up on rates. Again, the situation is much more accommodative. Right now it's the opposite. Right, right now they're explicitly against us or against markets. Um, they keep stressing how much that they can tighten and how the economy is strong. Now we're seeing signs that maybe that's you know there's cracks in that surface, but uh, it's not going to be an overnight change. Uh, and even when they do pivot, you will, like I said, you'll have people that are continuously fading that change. Um, whereas I will be getting on call in and getting on the live streams and saying now is not the time to continuously you know. Uh, to, to fight the new trend and, and continuously play sort of um, contrarian once the Fed does pivot, at least once they pull off. Now, it might not be as explicit as, and there are people that literally say, you know, they have to print money again. They have to uh, inject more capital into the system. It's inevitable. All right. But well before anything like that, and I'm not going to go too far down that road, you know, that route. Well before that, there will be the inevitable pulling off, right? Where they begin to hike less, where they begin to talk about, you know, less work required in the coming months. And they give us some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. That's where things where it will, I think that period, being able to distinguish that, there'll be a lot of money in being able to interpret that in an actionable way. And it's dangerous because they could have one meeting where they say that and then, you know, CPI comes in hot or, you know, something changes and then they completely kind of balk on that. 
Um, but until they make some kind of material change, right? Things, it is the way it is right now. Who else wants to hop on? Christopher, what's up, man? Let me get you on here. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, there we go. So yeah, first of all, thank you for doing this. And um, is that what you would be looking for in, for the Fed to start to change, like something cracking, and then they see unemployment rates uh, rising, and maybe things heading for a downturn before they had become better? Or yeah, just them talking differently, more dovish at the FOMC meeting. That those would be the initial signs. I mean, if if we had any kind of cracking in, in the economy, if if something happened in credit markets that was drastic, then that might force them um, to move faster. But I think you probably, with absent that, they want to achieve close to their goal. Um, so if you see CPI continuously coming down, and then we start to pick up more of a dovish tone from them, and markets. Mm-hmm base out or in the face of that are, are rising, then yeah, maybe that's the extent of it is done. The danger isn't right now. Like you see that there is hawkish language and then the markets look like they're able to hold. And it's like, there's this assumption that, okay, so, and it's not an incorrect one. Okay. So things are bearish. They're continuously hawkish, but markets are pricing it in and they're not able to move lower anymore. Maybe we're bottoming here. All we've seen is that briefly looks like markets are pricing things in completely and then they've continued to trend down and, and price new things in that, that weren't completely priced in so yeah i would i at this point like with the way things have been i would wait for an explicit change i think it's going to be easy at that point and we're not even close to that yet so i just think it's really dangerous right now to to try to front run that to any to any degree which is what a lot of people are doing they're seeing that like Markets are finding a temporary bottom. Um, you know, they look somewhat stable. And then, oh, everything's priced in. You know, they, they jawbone, they hiked rakes. Everything's priced in. And then meanwhile, it isn't because every time Powell comes out and says something new, markets clearly have a, a negative response. Yeah, because I saw the gas prices went up in the States, right? It's like, I don't know how much it was, uh, but... I saw the gas prices went up, and I don't remember all the facts, but the CPI, it was some skewed facts with the CPI, with the gas prices and energy prices are going up, and you still have the situation in Ukraine, which I'm sure the market has priced in, but might tend for the worse, right, before it gets better. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. I was just looking, I started trading, <laughs> started at the prop trading firm, and yeah, thanks again for all the info you were sharing. And I saw the markets today look super strong, like just going a slight dip and then continuing heading upwards. And but then power spoke and then poof, it's like all the air was strained out of it. But, yeah, and that that's just the like the environment that we're in right now. Markets are really thin, so there's so much tail risk in like a morning like this morning where. You know, everything looks good. It, the markets looked good. And we knew that Powell was coming on. And the first negative thing that he said completely, you know, wiped off uh, a majority of today's gains, if not all, right? All of them. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's tricky, but it's tricky, but it isn't because it, it's only tricky if we're right now trying to continuously swim upstream rather than you know, accepting things the way they are, realizing that they don't care about markets as much as we do. And that was like the first, one of the first assumptions was that, you know, they're going to protect markets. And they've said continuously that that's not their priority at all. So it's just, it's a dangerous environment right now to... Yeah, but it seems like uh, we're just ranging. I mean, we're in a different range, but yeah, went down to like 28, uh, 0.5k during the weekend and we bounced up sharply now we've arranged things the last two days uh, mostly so it seems like we're staying in the range ranging environment mostly you know yeah absolutely thank you very much play the range <laughs> yep. don't fade the fed 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Good talking to you, Christopher. Mark, what's going on? Hey, what's going hey, on? Hey, how's it going, Ryan? Good, good. Um, I um, I just wanted to again thank you for uh, all the free uh, streams and uh, info on Twitter. There, um, I just wanted to offer a little thing myself <clears throat> for a change. Uh, I do have one small question at the end, but uh, recently I kind of tried to make a bit of a change myself. I've been trying to learn how to trade also. Um, for about three years. Um, and with the market the way it is, um, I kind of decided to step back a bit from it. I'm a bit older than, well, you, Ryan, and most of the people that are in crypto. Um, but I just wanted to say, um, recently I watched a documentary. You guys are probably familiar with it, Sound City by the Foo Fighters. Um, and it's about the recording studio that they used. Um Something really stuck with me, and that was when you're younger, um, you kind of believe that things will always be the way that they are. And I did when I was younger. And, um, you know, that just kind of stirred me to um, focus more on things that matter, uh, family, um, trading, of course, but um, in, a, in, a smaller, in a smaller way. Um, but, you know, if you want something, uh, go after it, but don't spend too long um, chasing it. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's basically the message. Um, don't, don't spend too long chasing it. Um, you want to go hang out on a mountain? Go and do it, but don't spend 20 years there. Come back and uh, do your thing. Uh, be with your family. That sort of thing, because life moves fast and it moves faster than you think when you're when you're younger. If you want something, you know, you know, uh, go for it anyway. Um, won't take a bit any more time. I just had one quick question, and that was what you think about the housing market. Um, do you think uh, it's going to cycle or do you think it's going to continue to just go up in general? Well, so first to the first part, your message, that was it's absolutely so true. Can't, you can't say it enough, even though it's like one of those cliche things that you say to people when you're older. Like as I'm getting older now, I, I find myself saying it to a lot, a lot of people that were that were in like er, that are in their early 20s and, and even going into their 30s. Um, so, yeah, you can't stress that enough. It's uh, it is one of those life truths. Um, as far as the housing market goes, I mean, it's not my I, I like to stay in my circle. It's not my area of competence. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have conflicting feelings. Um, it's not like the same situation in, I think, 2008, you know, the, the, during the housing crisis. I don't think we're in the same situation where people were like really levered up. Um, I, I, I think you're also dealing with now you have like corporations buying houses, like you have BlackRock buying real estate. Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, 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 I'm sensitive on this subject because I know a lot of people haven't bought homes because they're kind of like on the internet, on Twitter, just like when you're in circuit, like market circles to begin with, housing always comes up and it's always like the housing is going to crash and there's a big crash eventually coming. And it's a lot of people that haven't bought their first house and, and they're kind of hinging their life on that. Like I'm waiting for the big housing crash. And in my experience, like but the problem is, like, my experience has been one of markets the last 15 years and them being just one way. Uh, housing prices just have continued to go up, in my experience, in the last 15 years around where I am. And everyone who I know that has ever said, you know, whether it's two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, like, oh, I'm waiting for a dip in housing before I buy my first house. They, they're just forced to, to buy into a, a rising market. Um, but I'm not a real estate guy at all. I don't focus on housing. I don't know a, a lot about it. I'm not really even a macro guy to begin with. Um, but housing would be one of the things that is considered like the last, the last thing to break or the last straw. Um, so we'll see. I mean, around, I just can go based on like anecdotal evidence, which is I get a lot of, because I get, uh, this is not very scientific. Like I said, it's anecdotal. 
Um, because I just, we bought a new home in the last year. I still have like all of these subscriptions to the local real estate, uh, you know, companies around me sending me emails like every day, basically, you know, it'll be like changes in prices. And a lot of them have been, um, uh, prices have gone down. So that's kind of surprising. So I've gotten a lot of things that like an email update will be like listing has, you know, come down a hundred K or listing has we've, you know, listing prices dropped 150 K. That's what I've seen in the last month and a half. And I have a couple friends that, um, are in real estate. One of them is in really high end real estate. Uh, and this is, um, out in the Hamptons in New York. And he sells $20, $30 million homes. And for him, nothing has changed. Because for that demographic, nothing has changed for, for most of those people. Um, so for, for that group, like, it's not a really good indication of anything. Whereas, like, I do have friends that are in the lower, not lower housing, but, like, more mid-tier. Um, and for them, the, I don't know if demand has really changed based on their experience, like they seem to be very busy still. So again, none of this is, this is very anecdotal. All I could say is the emails that I get based on prices are, have been sort of week over week going down. That's as good as it's going to get from me. Cause again, I'm not, I have uh, I don't have my, like my ear to the ground when it comes to real estate. Um, but what I would say is like, anytime prices have come down in the last couple of months, it seems like large entities have bid up and, and purchased private real estate or, 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 you know, have, have, have stepped in and been a large buyer, which is kind of unfair when you think about it. Like if you're in this housing market, it was one is it's disgusting during like the last couple of months, it seems like it's come down to some degree, but in the last year it was like, it was insane. Like I, I know from buying a new house ourselves, just like the the prices were way overextended what they should be. And then competing with people was, that was its own thing. Um, you know, if like 10 people are trying to buy a house, you know, that, that house is going to come in at least $100,000 $100, over asking because they're just competing with each other. But again, I don't, um, I don't know where it's headed. I, I see a lot of people talking about a, a crash coming in the housing market, but that's all I've seen in the last, Couple, that's all I've seen in the last decade, that conversation of when that's eventually going to happen, when prices are eventually going to drop. What I would say is that just deferring to how things should work, um, rising rate environment should bring down demand, right? So you, we go from no, you know, flat to 5% where mortgages are what, maybe 30 years, like four minimum now seeing like five to six um, and that should stifle demand, but people have a lot of money after COVID. Um, so there's a good buffer in savings. People have a, a significant amount of capital. And that's one thing that the Fed and, and you know, popular narrative has spoken about is that people have room to give up, right? Or, or they, there's room to push because, pe- because a lot of people are well off from, from, from markets. Um, on that note, though, and I'm sorry if this is getting long-winded, and again, it's in an area that I'm not really confident in, uh, on the note of rising rates and housing, we have to remember that even though rates are up, you know, they're, they're up, you know, considerably from where they were, they're really just going back to a place where they were, over, you know, around a decade ago. So it's not like mortgage rates weren't at this level 10 years ago. So, you know, we had 5 6% um, for 30 year. And that wasn't, uh, that was the norm. And before that, it was obviously much higher. The trend over time has been that interest rates haven't broken this downtrend in the last 30 years. But, you know, we could be, if the, if the, uh, for example, the 10 year is to break, just double check. If the 10 year is to break 30, let's say, uh, 3.25%, that would be a change I think in the last 30 year trend, um, I have to double check on that. Actually, no, it did break trend line just briefly, but temporarily. So it's not, I'm looking at the trend going back to 1981. Um, it's been a downtrend the entire way. 
So we haven't had a monthly above 3.15% and a weekly. It looks like we just, no, so the week, so it's 3.25%. If we're above 3.25%, that'd be the first time in, in the last, you know, recorded history that we've ever broken that downtrend. But again, I, I'm not, um, I'm not a housing guy. I, I don't know anything about the real estate market. So I'm probably the worst person to ask. I'm just trying to piece all this, uh, again, anecdotal evidence together to give an answer. <laughs> if you hopped off, Mark, let me let you back on, Mark, to make sure that um, that makes sense. No, that was great. Um, the only reason I asked you, just because it was like ask anything. Um, and, you know, I just thought it might be of interest to other you know, other folks too, but uh, no, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Won't take up any more time. Everybody take it easy. And yeah, thank you. Thanks, Mark. I'm going to watch that documentary. I love the Foo Fighters. So yeah, it's, thank a good, you. it's really good. It's really good. And it's uh, just real blast from the past. David Grohl is also like one of my favorite people. I mean, the guy is, uh, he's a great he, guy. Yeah. He's, he's a great guy. So he's a great guy. He's like Keanu Reeves. He's nice to everybody. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Must be the long hair. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, man. Good talking to you, Mark. Lance. What's up, buddy? Hey, can you hear me? So we have Lance, and then I'll take one more caller, and then we'll wrap it up. You're muted still, Lance. Should have bought that dip sooner with BTC. It's completely uh, recovered. So during the stream, I'd mentioned that any kind of extension into the low of the range would have been considered one of those wrong prices we like to take advantage of, but it didn't get the full extension. Oh, shit, it did. <laughs> I wasn't looking at a chart at the beginning of the call. And at the end of the stream, we were finishing up and... Uh, BTC was like halfway to the bottom of yesterday's value area. And we ended up getting the extension all the way down to the bottom of it. And that would have been the great long to take because ultimately the market was just, it was a knee jerk response to Powell's commentary. We already kind of know what their plans have been. Hey, what's up Lance? Oh, hi. Now I'm guessing based on the title of the show, you're pro crypto. You're a crypto fan or, you know, investor and, yeah, I, I've been a, I've been trading crypto markets primarily for the last six years. I, I traded for 15 years total. Uh, I've traded equity derivatives, crude oil, and then I've been full time trading crypto for the last six. So, absolutely focused on crypto. I'm not okay. the only thing I'm a long term investor in that I have exposure to is Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, everything else to me is complete garbage. So, okay, I see. So now I'm sure you're familiar with economist Richard Wolf. Yes. And he is great at taking things that seem disparate, that are simple things, and putting them together, or taking economic concepts that are generally get pretty in the weeds, you know, deer in the headlights for most people, and simplifying them. You know, and of course he's got a Marxist point of view, but his analysis and his you know statement of the history would be pretty much agreed upon by Milton Friedman, you know, because he starts from a basis of facts. So tell me why he's wrong when he talks about Uber. I'll, I'll mention Uber as well, as if this is some like new concept, because it's true. When I, I lived in a, I worked for a cab company that had crappy tech, but he had the trade magazines there. So New York City, I'd read them while I was sitting there dispatching. New York City had you know, the, the traffic patterns figured out where it might be the, the shortest way, is go, you know, rooted through the computer, et cetera, et cetera. They already had all that. The idea that Uber did something new is ridiculous. What they had was billions of dollars to buy off a lot of city and get rid of those uh, requirements for, for drivers and background checks. That's all they did. The technology was already there. They didn't do anything new. His point about crypto is it's just the next scam. And he said this a year ago. That the people that are in there that aren't the big time players, they're going to get crushed. They're going to get crushed eventually because either the government's going to come in no matter what you say and they're going to do something about it. But barring that, which hasn't happened yet, it doesn't matter because you got no FBIC, you got no one to go to when it tanks. Well, it tanked. So tell me why he's wrong. But I mean, just Bitcoin is, well, so one, I'll say that economists 
don't make a lot of money for a reason. They're not really that good when it comes to actionable insights and markets. It's easy to be hinds. It's easy to be like a you know an arm. Oh, but that's not fair. That's not fair because if you're an analyst, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can I just say? Can I back a little bit? You know, if you're if you're a billionaire, multi-billionaire, but some guy makes ten thousand a year at a community college writing about it. The person who has the billions is more credible because he's got the billions and the guy making 10,000 isn't. I think that's a sham argument, but go ahead. Well, no, wait a second. Let me just finish because you didn't even let me finish. Um, there's a lot of people that clearly are against crypto. It's a very misunderstood um, and antagonized asset class. And, and for a lot of good reasons, like it, it's it's been very um, it's been very open and permissionless with how it allows people to enter into the market with very limited checks and balances. So absolutely, when you have isn't that the point? less guards, that, wait, let me finish. Isn't that a feature? I'm not done talking. There's so many things I want to say, but I, I can't continue if you cut me off. So when you have less guard, when you have less guards, guards at the gates, obviously it's going to be a different environment than if you have more of a filter. So yeah, bad actors are going to exist in every market. The idea that the little guys get crushed in crypto, they get crushed in every market. Most market participants are uninformed, and there is a huge transfer of wealth between the informed and the uninformed. And that's the, that distribution is no different. The underlying distribution is no different at all across markets. So there's no market where the little guy does better than you know the the other you know the other little guy in a different market. Crypto is more volatile, so we could say that the properties of this market are different. It's more volatile. Yes, absolutely. But from a risk-adjusted return standpoint, there's no market that is has been a better investment over the last, you know, since inception. Now, that is biased because there's obviously a starting point. It's put in a ton of its return clearly in the rear view, and moving forward, you wouldn't expect that type of return over time. You'd expect it to, to more or less taper off. As far as this being like a scam, I think that there's a ton of garbage in the space. The same way there's a ton of garbage in the stock market. Like there's pink slips and OTC and, and penny stocks and penny stocks that are that are complete garbage. But everything works a lot based on the same sort of grift, underlying grift. It's all kind of a Ponzi at the end of the day. There's no asset that is it, the intention is not to buy and sell it to someone else at a higher price and offload it. Unless you're talking about like uh, capturing yield or dividends, that, that's basically the underlying mechanics of how, how markets work. So I think with crypto, you want to have to understand that, yeah, there's a lot of garbage here. Absolutely. It will get cleaned up. Absolutely. It will not get regulated out of existence. Some things will. Bitcoin clearly is being given a, a green light. They're going to tax it. They're going to find ways to regulate to some extent, but it's accepted. The most important thing to understand when it comes to technology, when it comes to asset, when it comes to, I think, this market is that the the reasons to get involved are a lot simpler than most people would arrive to the reasons why they they would get involved. And and usually people overcomplicate things when it's unnecessary. So the way I look at crypto is the people who like it are the people that are going to be alive in 20 years. The people that don't like it are the people that are not going to be. So the the. The future is created by the youth. So all of the, the millennials, all of the Generation Z, all of you know Generation X, they're embracing crypto. The only people that are not embracing crypto, and there's this distribution is massively skewed, are boomers and above. And they don't get to bring the assets with them when they die. The portfolios will get broken down and you'll have people that say, okay, you know, here's your gold allocation that you would normally have in your portfolio. And here's where we would normally allocate towards digital assets. What do you want to do? Anyone who is 35 and I'd say even 40 and younger now is going to be allocating more towards crypto moving forward. So there's choice, there's survival based on that. And then there's no other asset class that has only been around for 12 years. No one alive right now was around at the beginning of the stock market. No one alive right now is around at the beginning of the commodity market. This clearly like commodities go way back into the past. So the framework is being built right now for digital assets. There's a lot of garbage, but the things that have taken hold right now that actually have staying power, whether it's based on Metcalf's law, whether it's based on Lindy, or it's just based on the simple assumption that what is popular is going to likely persist and what hasn't been destroyed is likely going to continue to remain strong, clearly give a pedestal to BTC, I think, and Ethereum. 
I think that a lot of economists are against it because, again, it goes against their sort of mental framework, which is not necessarily wrong, which is not necessarily that uh, it's not necessarily that because they don't make a lot of money that they're not, you know, they're not entitled to their beliefs. It's just that that their mental framework, like a lot of old mental frameworks, doesn't evolve easily over time. The same way like grandparents they're not in here no they're not in here no not your glasses could i'm sorry i didn't mean okay. i mentioned so, you could i ask you to clarify one quick thing before you go to the next caller then no i was i, I was basically done but the properties of bitcoin are, are new yeah. so the the yeah. idea that it's but you obviously know so much about this if you prefer... what's that right but if you could clarify one thing I thought crypto and, you know, Bitcoin and, you know, these kind of, uh, uh, you know, currencies were based to, were supposed to replace money. Now, I get it. My money sits in a bank. The Federal Reserve increases in interest rates and it, and it drops because of inflation. Uh, the money becomes worthless unless you invest it in something. It's not going to sit there and do much. It's just right. going to become worthless over time. I get that. But whatever's left, the FDIC covers it. So in other words, it seems like what you're saying then is crypto is not something that's going to replace money that with inflation, all the other wow. bullshit can be, you know, drained of its value. It's more or less something that to replace or to be, you know, it's more like the stock market than money, right? Then? So, yeah, I think that. So, and, and, I, and at least my money is protected to some extent by the FDIC, but this isn't, it could go to zero. I can't, that doesn't so, happen with banks anymore. So I, well, it's more like the stock market than than like a new type of bank, right? So the difference is, though, the, the, it's not I think like crypto is young, right? So the crypto is like a kid. Like when you're a kid, you're like trying on different faces. You're like, I want to be a baseball player. I want to be a doctor. You don't know who you are. You're maturing. You have to go through a period of maturity before you really find your identity. I think crypto has been forced into different identities. It's not gonna, like Bitcoin is not going to be money. I think Bitcoin is going to it, right now. Bitcoin is a risk asset. But the properties that make Bitcoin unique are the way they are. Like, there's no denying that it is somewhat replacing. It can replace your bank to a certain extent. Like, you can take control of your money, whereas with your bank, it's not in your bank, right? It's, it's a fractional reserve. It's being lent out. If you want to take your money out of your bank, if you want to take over a certain amount out, you got to tell somebody, right? If, you, if you're at the cashier, like, I, I had all this work done to my house recently, and I kept taking out a ton of cash. I was taking out, like, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. And it was like, it was ridiculous. First of all, wood prices are absolutely ridiculous. But I was doing that and they kept saying, oh, what's it for? And they have to write that down and, and they have to record that and tell the IRS that. Whereas Bitcoin, you control your wealth. No one could take it from you. You could store a seed phrase in your head that keeps $100 million worth of your wealth in a seed phrase, right? You could cross a border with that. So there, there's a bunch of different things that are completely unique and that are first time in existence through crypto. Is it going to replace money? No, I think it exists alongside money. Are there things that are more unique about paying people with crypto than having to pay them through like Swift or, you know, Venmo? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot easier to pay someone through crypto. If you have crypto on an exchange and they accept crypto, like you can immediately, whatever amount of money it is, you could send it. You don't have to worry about, you know, one, two, three day processing times. Trading with crypto is a lot better than trading stocks. You don't have to wait about, you don't have to wait for, you know, settlement periods, T2, T3. So it's so young that I think it's really dangerous to do what I think economists do, which are they fight it on one front alone, that it's trying to be money or that it's trying to be a store of value. It's a it's like a it's a new market, right? It's a it's a risk asset right now. Um, it's really volatile. Could it become a store of value at some point? We've seen it benefit during periods where the where the Fed has been really liberal with the, the money lever, right? Whenever they were printing and devaluing and debasing currency. We've seen how the crypto market immediately responds to that because a lot of significant yeah, players in the legacy that. markets, they jumped into crypto. And that's really all that needs to happen for anything to change. It's for people to change their ideas. So if the biggest people in markets are large asset right. managers and they are the biggest dicks, you know, biggest swinging dicks in the universe, and they're the masters of the universe in terms of finance, if they change their mind, then the status quo changes. And it doesn't matter what economists say, right? It doesn't matter what my opinion is of it. If if they put their money into it, it's going to sure. go up. And if, it's very reflexive. Higher prices beget higher prices. So, I mean, there's listen, there's going to be people that what I learned in my experience, and I'll, I'll end it with this and you could finish. But economists that don't believe in it, 
you're not going to change their mind. People that do believe in it, you're not going to change their mind. And it's a way with everything, right? So I don't really, you know, I know that there are brilliant um, economists that I really respect that they hate Bitcoin. It doesn't change my opinion on them as an economist. I look at them and I say, well, you know, uh, I remember telling my grandparents what kind of music I listened to as a kid. And they were like, oh, that's disgusting. That's not going to be pop. Like, that's why would anyone like that? And, and ex- ideas expire with people. So as long as crypto is embraced by the youth, I think it's the clearest trade because of that, because the youth are what create the future. So if the youth like Beanie Babies, then whatever. They like Beanie Babies and they bring Beanie Babies to the future. If it's Bitcoin, this is a, a poor comparison. It's more like technology. But I think you get the, the point I'm trying to stress. Sure, sure. Okay. So one last point then to, yeah, to finish this up. It sounds to me like, you know, not all things age well. A guy that was the head of GM before Roger Smith, it's in the 30s or 40s. He said something he got pushback for it when he said, what's good for America, is, what's good for GM is good for America. There was actually a point to that in that, and this was, you know, strong labor times and all, but more cars meant more metal being bought from all around the world. It meant more workers for parts places and for metal shops and not just car factories. But now everything's in finance, okay, in terms of the regular economy. So this idea that as the stock market matures, it's, it's obviously at its full maturity now, you know, until we go into the future. And it's gotten more and more and more scooped up by the corporate giants. And I don't see anything you're telling me that's going to how it's going to be any different 20 years from now with Bitcoin, that the ones that are in it now, the ones that know how to play the game better, they're going to usurp it. And the big corporations can afford all the energy that it takes to build these huge mining plants. Nothing you said convinces me that because the thing, the fact that it's a kid, well, we have a very mature stock market. It's all about finance and it's all about corporate profits. It has nothing to do with the rest of the economy. And I don't see how, why Bitcoin would be any different that the big players and the big boys and the ones that are smarter about it now, like the hackers, like Bill Gates, who happened to have a school that was given, you know, computers to work on. He was ahead of the curve from jump. He says that himself. I would have been successful, but I never would have been massively rich like I was, except that I was ahead of the curve and I was able to stay ahead of people that were as good as me with, uh, with programming because I was, I had a computer before anyone. And that sounds to me like that's what's going to happen, like you did with the stock market. And the same thing's going to happen with Bitcoin. Convince me I'm wrong. I mean, there's no, you can't convince someone that they're wrong when they're really steadfast on an idea. But I, I'm open to change. So the, what has been the norm of the last, the, you know, its existence has been. Not my has, attitude. Why, why are the words I said wrong? Not my bias. Why are the words I said wrong? Well, because Bitcoin has continued to. You're just saying that you're biased. What did I say no, that was no, incorrect? What I'm, and why that, what I'm saying is that every response that people have had with Bitcoin has been continued to be met by higher prices in the future and by more people on the network and by all of the jobs going Same with the stock market. leaving traditional finance. Same with the stock market. So with the stock market. It got bigger and bigger and bigger, but the money kept going to the fewer and fewer people. So again, I don't, I don't buy that argument that more money being invested. So that's going to be a good thing for everyone. It convinces me more that the ones who have the more money in early are going to make it. And then well, if it yeah. goes down, it's going to be well, the little people. But so but, it doesn't sound any different. Again, you're not telling me what's different. You're telling me I'm biased against it, but you're not explaining why the points I'm making are incorrect. Well, what about it do you want to be different? How about that? If I if I was going to pose this towards you and say what would you want to be different about it what would you say? Uh, I can't hear you. Are you there? I mean, in markets, the big guys are always going to benefit. So that's that doesn't really um, that's not like I have to make an argument against that. But I mean, it, it, it the performance of the asset alone kind of stands on its own two legs. So, you know, it has a big drawdown, but it's still in line with how it's drawn down in the past. Stock market's going to continue to move up in the next five years. So it, nothing, nothing really is going to change too much. That's why I don't want to be too skeptical and cynical about markets, because the one thing they've continued to do is is positively drift up over time and for a multitude of reasons. But I'm going to end the room because I can't hear you anymore. And uh, I think that, um, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. And when you don't like something, you just don't invest in it. And, you know, when you 
don't like something, you might even short it too. Some people are betting against it. But at the end of the day, like, I don't really care. Like, I don't care what you position. And I, I like Bitcoin. It's, it's served me well. Um, I believe in Bitcoin. And I, I position myself in a way that, you know, um, that, that encompasses that. So it's not like I have my whole net worth in Bitcoin. So I, I personally, I don't feel bad if, if someone bashes Bitcoin. <laughs> I change my mind pretty quickly anyway. I can change my mind next year. But uh, thanks for uh, tuning in, guys. I don't hear you anymore. So I'm guessing that that is it. I appreciate all the participation. Even uh, Lance, I appreciate, you know, hearing um, from the other side. It's not like, you know, I haven't heard this a million times before. It doesn't mean that, you know, Bitcoin's past performance doesn't mean it's going to continue to move up. Uh, for those of us that are long and, and buy it, uh, and I'm a trader, so I, I don't buy at every level. So you're not talking to someone who holds all the way from the high. Um, you know, it's a risk that we bear, right? Something bad can happen. There could be some kind of quantum computing change and it, ex it exposes a flaw in Bitcoin and it all goes to zero. It wouldn't be the first time something really bad happened in markets. It wouldn't be the first time that something collapsed. Uh, and that's why the importance in markets is that you take the appropriate risk, size yourself according to how you, based on your risk profile, um, should size yourself. But I also don't believe in like the cult sort of religious aspect of Bitcoin. I'm not a Bitcoin maxi by any means, but you asked me for my opinion. So I, I gave my opinion as to why I think in the next five years it's worth holding in my portfolio. And that's really it. Like, I don't care. I, I, if, it, if it gives me right, a the new investors buy years. But where will the new investor in five years be? He's going to be stuck because the guy that was in five years before is going to be way ahead of the curve. And yeah. that's all my point is, is that anyway, you've convinced me that it's really no different. It's just another thing like there's a yeah. stock market. There's people that are going to be the next Zuckerberg or Bill Gates because of some lucky break. I don't see how it's safer or better or, you know, any different really than just some other. It's like saying, well, no, 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 this the roulette table is different than blackjack, which is different. than Somehow you're saying it's a big casino, but this particular table, this particular slot machine is going to work out better in the long run. I, you haven't said it's any different. It's just a different game in the casino. It's not like it's a different type of casino. That's all I well, hear yeah, from you. I mean, I'm just yeah, saying. But we hope that's what we hope for. We hope. That no, no, this game's got better odds. You know, Go, don't do that game. Well, you know, but it's yeah, not like it's a different you. building where it's like a fairer casino where it's, you know, well, no, but it's a market tilted so it's towards the house <laughs> or against the house. The people that are the big investors, no. the house, that is the early guys like you are going to be the ones that make out and the later guys are going to be stuck just like every other market. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you clarified that because that seems to be what people are saying about crypto. Is that, no, this is more fair. It's more egalitarian. And we're going to self-control it. The government won't tell us what to do. But it sounds like you could lose everything. And I, at least with inflation, well, no, no, listen, it only you're, diminishes you're my like, money, not overnight. And I can still go into my safe I, deposit box. I think you're missing. There are aspects of that, though. Like you can bank yourself and, and you could protect your money from seizure. You could do all these things with crypto. But it is very volatile, which is a characteristic of the investment. So those that volatility, you would hope that as more adopters come in, smooths out over time. Higher prices would decrease that volatility. But the, those unique characteristics of Bitcoin, they're not they are what make it different from a casino. But it is still it's an asset. So you speculate on it. That's what happens in markets, like whether it's a housing market or whether it's stocks or whether it's the price of milk. That's how it works. It's based on supply and demand. Uh, and when you have a limited supply and a lot of demand, whether you're talking about gasoline or Bitcoin or notebooks at a fucking dollar store, the prices eventually would go up if there's a lot more demand than there is possible supply. There are unique. Yeah, and, it the doesn't people, make and the it people that have the early though. supply, the people that have the supply like you five or 10 years from now are going to do everything you can. Presumably, people like yourself, I'm not saying you, are going to say, OK, that's it, boys. Close the spigot. I don't, don't know. Need I don't know. My value is going to go down. Because you human nature, I mean, unless you're telling me that the people, the, people, the people that invest in Bitcoin are people of higher human character because they're going to do that. You know that's true. They're going to say, stop the spigot. We got what we want. Don't add more supply. We want to, we want demand to stay high and we want to keep our supply value high. So human nature is what it is. How will that not happen unless you're suggesting that Bitcoin investors are more, you know, are more, uh, you know, ethical than the average investor? I mean, listen, aren't they going to cut the spigot off? 10 years it's from market. now and say no more all right it's a market so, uh, i mean it's a market that's the way it works so i mean it's you know even a leopard oh, yeah, can't so. hide its spots
But I gotta I gotta cut off, guys. This is going on over an hour. Okay. I to, all right. I appreciate Thank it though, you. Lance. I appreciate everyone Thank tuning you. in. Um, this will uh, I'll do this again on Thursday, <laughs> and uh, and then Friday as well. And uh, until then, everyone have a fantastic evening.